Welcome to the eighth episode of ESTML 2011 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is a Canadian who is always trying to be charming, but we don't care, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. And the guy who is always wary of two dodgy Nicaraguan guys, David Bindley. Who's up for a treasure hunt? Absolutely no one. So, is this a season with Dom Cruise? Oh god, I wish it was. <laughs> Like, obviously, these jokes aren't going to come out for over a year after we record them. But stop trying to make Dom Cruz a thing. You are Jason Domrulo at best. <laughs> I, too, have a fear of owls. So, Vidum, 2011. Quite good. <laughs> yes. yes. Weirdly, Bindles and I were discussing this after we recorded last week's episode, but this season doesn't actually have that good a reputation with most of the Dutch fans. No, well, why not? What's their what's their big beef with El Salvador and Nicaragua? I can't remember, because the mole is quite well regarded. The mole placed sixth, I think it was, on the subreddit poll, just to skip ahead two weeks to reveal that. The mole placed very, very close to the top, and yet people really don't like this season for some reason. Maybe they're just really sad to see Peter Yan go after this season. Aren't we all? Maybe they just don't like art being a dickhead. Yeah, it ruins ruins their whole image of art that we're going to see for the next several seasons. Yeah, I think I've mentioned this before. Art as a presenter is much, much more palatable than art in this season. Art is a bit of a prick in this season. And in this episode. Yeah, this is the point of the season where you're probably not supposed to like art. And this is the episode called It Is Over, which translates to This Is Over. So, previously, the final six avoided death by production, as first they were drowned and then told to run down an active volcano, trying not to nail themselves. Pepine's dive and Sundoss's run both didn't earn any money, but it was Pepine's terrible gamble at a game of yokers that sent him home. And they have now moved to Grenada, and Peter Yan tells us that Anna has lost another friend and is left alone once more. Sundoss and Karen both overcame their fears, while Art and Patrick seem to get away with everything without any effort. And now, as a group, they must find the treasure. I, I love how disinterested that intro was from Petty <laughs> It might just be his most, all right, let's just get this season over and done with intro ever. Yeah, we're at the point of the season where he's like, Jesus Christ, I've still got three more episodes of this. Uh, let's just hurry this along a bit. Three more episodes of tropical downpours during rainy season. And did you notice anything interesting in the title sequence? No. Not in the title sequence specifically. I did note that Right after the episode started, they used music from episode 4 of season 6 of 24. So I don't know whether this has been a thing forever, but when Pepine's red thumbprint comes up, as in this era of Vidum, they only um, they only show the thumbprint coming up in the first episode after they've been executed, there's like a car-breaking sound effect. Oh. It's really weird. And they've never done it for anyone else with a, uh, a red thumbprint, I don't think. Usually you get the kind of the whoosh, but Pepine gets a, a sort of glass-breaking, car-breaking, suddenly sound effect. It's it's super oh. odd. Was it like Stone Cold Steve Austin, Titan Tron type uh, intro? <laughs> it sounds like someone hitting another car. It's super weird. Why don't they give him like, a, you know, the that clown horn thing? Why couldn't it just go, honk, honk, when uh, his red fingerprint was on screen? Should have given him a Dixie horn. <laughs> <laughs> Just for like half a second. 
And as Logan said, the title is The Time Has Come. Anna says she's feeling like the Black Widow of Vista Mole, which she said at the end of the last episode, get some new material producers. She just incorporates that into every confessional. I feel like a Black Widow because all my allies have gone before me, but I'm still here. Oh, wait, did you guys know I'm a Black Widow? It's the last thing she says in episode seven is, oh, I'm the Black Widow of Vidim now. I, I love how she's the Black Widow. Meanwhile, Karen's up to like her fifth main suspect of the season. <laughs> yeah, they kind of skip over that a little bit. The fact that Karen just cannot guess who the mole is. If any more of Karen's suspects go home, she's going to have to put Peter Yan as the mole on the next quiz. <laughs> so Anna says that everyone she gets close to goes home. First Hannah, then Horace, and now Pepine. And she says she wants revenge and wants to win even more now for all of her fallen friends. Spoilers for the end of this episode. Doesn't work out like that for her. They can be fallen friends together. They can be fallen friends at a villa in Barcelona or wherever Elimination Station is this season. And Art says that Pepine went home because he didn't have the Yokers, but also he didn't have the right mole. Which is a bit of a bitchy confessional. Somehow not the most bitchy confessional of this episode. (laughs) There is a super bitchy one from Patrick at the end of the episode. But first, it's time for another borderline case of kidnapping Vidim contestants in Latin America this season. Yeah, we've gone from kidnapping them and smuggling them across the border, to then trying to drown them, to then trying to nail them, and now we're just back to, you know, kidnapping them and sending them to a random lighthouse to get locked in forever. And then we're going to asphyxiate them later. Yeah! This really is the season of death by production. I I love that Peter Young's like, Oh, this bay looks lovely when he was setting up the boat trip. And I'm like, this is possibly the dreariest location Viestamol has ever been to. And like, I know the next season takes place in Iceland. This beach looked terrible. Oh yeah, it looked desolate. Well, I mean, that beach, they've only had 35 people drown, while the beach about 20 miles further away has had 70 people drown. So this beach is a lot better. It's also pretty good by uh, by Holland standards, too, as long as some of them have gone to the ABC Islands. I have to preface this challenge by saying my hatred of production force splits is very well known. I do not like it when production decide the groups. It seemed like more that Peter Yan just decided himself. He said, you know what, Art, I really don't want to be in a boat with you. And because of legal reasons, you can't go. You can't go alone. So uh, Anna, Anna, you go with Art. Uh, me and everyone else who doesn't piss me off will be in the other boat. Yeah, the only thing I could think of for why they were split up was they were doing it alphabetically. But even then, you know, why weren't Art and Anna and I think Karen is next? Why weren't they the beach group and then Patrick and Sudos were in the tower? The reason I think it was split this way is purely because out of these five people. Which three are you going to put on a deserted island to annoy each other? It's obviously going to be Patrick, it's obviously going to be Karen, and it's obviously going to be Sundas, leaving Art and Anna to be the ones locked up. They just wanted them to get on each other's nerves. And it's not like Art was going to complain. He was happy to be locked up in a lighthouse with Anna. That's another slightly creepier subplot, I think, this season. And we can say it now that Anna's been executed. Everyone pervs over Anna this season. Usually Art. Yeah, she's like the Pam Beasley of Vidim. Yeah, I think every single man on this season has given at least one confessional saying that she is hot. And it's just a little bit weird. You definitely wouldn't see it now. Yeah. 
I'm sure Anna appreciates the compliments, but it does feel a little bit like she's being objectified. Meanwhile, we get Patrick bitching about how he doesn't want to be on an island with Karen and Sundos. Yeah, at the end of the challenge, that was a brutal statement. He said it wasn't even a confessional. He said it publicly on the bus, saying, oh, I've had the fantasy of being stranded on a deserted island with two women, and then end up being you two. (laughs) This is what I mean. That's why I suspect that they were the beach team, is because that was the most comedy possible, is putting... Karen and Sundos, both of whom I love dearly, but both of whom would drive me fucking insane if I was stuck on an island with them. With Patrick, who's probably the most irritable person of the final five. You can definitely see Patrick being the type of guy saying, oh, all I, ever... I, I know I'm doing the Sinan Chan voice, but I could see Patrick being the type of, oh, all I ever want is to be, uh, is to be stuck on a deserted island with two women. And then now, to play a joke on him, he's never, he's never going to be praying for that again. So the boat split up, not that anyone could have predicted it, and PTN tells the other three that Art and Anna will be locked in the lighthouse soon, and they will need a code to get out. A code which they must be the ones to signal to them. They have an hour to free Art and Anna, and complete the challenge. It's basically an escape room, but it's not like the tedious sort that Netflix Mall seems to be wanting to do for most of its challenges. No, it's a fun escape room, and it's a fun location. Like, taking over a lighthouse and saying, we're going to lock people in this with a numerical lock. Oh, and by the way, can we hang a banner off said lighthouse? That's really cool. Yeah. That's a fun way to do it. Not the half-assed attempts that Eureka Productions seem to be throwing down our throats right now. I wonder if Karen wasn't in the lighthouse too, because maybe she wasn't physically capable of getting up all the steps to the top of the lighthouse. Also, Karen and Sundos had to be on the beach because they're scared of heights. That's true too. See, it wasn't completely... uh... There is logic behind why production didn't let them choose their own groups this time. They wanted them to have a fighting chance to win the money. I think they just wanted them to have a fight. Mm, Yeah, they just wanted arguments from the beach three. Oh, speaking of Karen and this challenge, oh, we have to communicate the numbers three, six, and two using these logs. Karen picks the biggest log I've ever seen in my life and tries to pull on it to drag to the sand. I'm thinking she would need an hour to uh, to even have a shot at dragging that a meter. She'd have to break a bunch of sticks off of the log and really chip away at it before it was light enough for her to move it. It's like somebody being in the neighborhood like, oh, I really need to find just anything from this street that I can, you know, bring back home with me. You know what? I'm going to try and move this house by myself instead of this stick on the ground. And we've also kind of skipped over the production being a dick in this uh, in this challenge, in that they get a pair of binoculars, but also a manual in Japanese. That's <laughs> helpful. They probably bought them while they were in Tokyo. Yeah, it's only a, one season later. Yeah, almost certainly they bought them in Tokyo, but it's, it's just a hilarious dick move to go, you know what, guys? None of you speak Japanese. Here's some instructions for you. It'd be funny if Karen just raises her hand and says, oh, are they does it use kanji? It's like, what? Karen is fluent in reading Japanese? Where did that come from? And then production says, no, it's in Hirakana. So Patrick helps Karen out of the boat, and she completely ignores him. And he's trying to be charming, but she doesn't care. And they are dropped off on an island far away from the lighthouse and given no more instructions than that, other than to help Art and Anna. Art and Anna go into the lighthouse, and the door slams behind them. They notice the number lock, and then realise that it's an assignment, and not just a nice boat tour organised by PT Anne. 
Karen thinks that they need to keep an eye on the lighthouse, but Sundos and Patrick decide to search the island instead. And Patrick says to Sundos that he doesn't want Karen taking the binoculars all the time, and suggests that they alternate them. At the top of the lighthouse, Art and Anna find the treasure map of the island and a pair of binoculars to find the clue that is being relayed to them. As Sundos takes over the binoculars, a banner unfurls with the numbers 3, 6, and 2, and she doesn't spot that it just unfurled, so finds it suspicious that Karen didn't spot them. And Karen suggests her brilliant plan of putting three things together on the beach, then six, and then two. And Patrick suggests writing the numbers on the beach, and Anna spots him from the lighthouse writing the number three. I want to know how Karen thinks you'd be able to see like a group of three, six, two from that far away using binoculars. Exactly. I love Karen, but it's a very stupid idea from her to, to go, oh, I'm just going to find three large objects that I can drag. That'll be easy on this beach. <laughs> Maybe there's a hidden immunity idol under one of them. They were filming at that time. So they decide to walk along the numbers they've written on the beach to draw attention, and Anna does spot 362 on the beach. Art says that most men would dream to be locked in a lighthouse with Anna, so he can't say that he was in a hurry to leave it. And Karen says that no matter how silly the idea, Patrick will always agree to it. So she is very suspicious of him. Art and Anna then escape, and Patrick and Karen wave on the beach, not realising that they've already escaped. Yeah, they're still doing their little uh, hip-hop hooray waves in the air. <laughs> Bin- yeah, Bindles, would you say that that is a bit hankle hankle doo doo Yes. Yeah, it, it's the first thing I thought of when I, I saw that scene. I'm like, yeah, this is very hankle hankle doo doo What the hell were those words that just came out of your mouth? Oh, don't worry, Saunders, it's, uh, it's a reference to another season. Eurovision? No, it's a reference to uh, to South Africa. They come up with a, a dance at one point when they're in South Africa called Henkel Henkel Doobel Doobel, which is very similar to, to that. So those are some crazy ideas you start to get once your spine gets compressed. Yeah. So they find out that Art and Anna have escaped because of the code written on the beach, and Patrick is then very smug with Karen, and they only have six minutes to find the tree, follow the instructions, and uncover the treasure. You know that Patrick's going to hold this over karen's head for the rest of the season of course anytime that karen says no patrick uh, why would you do that you can say well what what about the lighthouse challenge where you laughed at me thought i was an idiot but yet that's the thing that that art and anna noticed and it nearly won us the challenge so back off karen back off i think it is very interesting to look at this final four now that we know who they are because everyone suspects each other but they all get on so well that they can tease each other in the case of Patrick and Karen being like, oh, I was right on the beach, wasn't I, Karen? Yes, Patrick, you were. And I think they're all so comfortable with each other that it's really interesting that they are still so fractious with their suspicions. So unsurprisingly, PEM then appears from the bush, and Art can never understand how he just appears everywhere, and he says they are half a metre from the right spot, and there was two and a half thousand euros buried for them to find. And I have to say, thank you to Bindle's challenge guide for actually doing the math so I didn't have to. Yeah, because he, he says there's they missed three grand in the episode later, and then they only missed 650 in the next challenge, I think. Something like that. So it's around two and a half grand that, that was in the thing there. But probably would have been a little bit easier if it didn't somehow take them 54 minutes for the lighthouse group to reach the beach in a one-hour challenge. And, like, 
I can't even really pinpoint where they lost that much time because there wasn't that much. The only thing I can think of is they were waiting for someone to change the binoculars, like change who was looking at the binoculars to put the flag down, and then because Karen was holding onto it for so long. But I don't know. Either that or Art just kept messing up the numbers going, oh, sorry, Anna, I can't just type these numbers in. What a shame. We're going to have to go up to the top and make sure we're right again. Oh, I hit seven pound seven seven. Batman symbol. So Patrick, as we said, said he had a completely different idea of what it'd be like to be stuck on a desert island with two women because he was stuck on an island with Sundas and Karen. And it's not even his most savage confessional of the episode. I wonder if the delay in Arjunana getting there may have not even had to do much with the challenge, but because maybe the water seemed really choppy too. Maybe it's just not an easy boat ride to get from the lighthouse to the other island. I think production would have been a bit more generous had that been an yeah. issue. And we, we see the treasure map, so the lighthouse really isn't that far away from the beach. It's like the next island over. Yeah. Um, so it, probably 10 minutes on the boat, maybe. But, you know, even then, that, that still means they've lost 45 minutes trying to get the numbers to the lighthouse. It's a weird challenge where... Everyone is trying hard to win, but also everyone is trying really, really hard to look like they're the mole. And, you know, only about half of them succeed. Yeah, they're all competing to see who is the least obvious at being suspicious. So we then see Sundos trying to form an alliance with Patrick. In the test, there are a lot of personal questions coming up, and she wants to trade answers with him. He says so far he hasn't come up against any personal question that he couldn't answer, and he suggests waiting until the finale, and then they can share information. And she hopes that he says yes, because he is her mole. I wish Peter Yan would have just shown up while they're forming their alliance saying, yes, Art is right. I do just show up at any moment. I do just show up <laughs> everywhere. Surprise. I was hiding this garbage can the whole time. He can be like David S. Pumpkins from Saturday Night Live. Any questions? He's Gene Parmesan. <laughs> yeah. He got me again. Gene. Ah, Did somebody order a Vidim host? So they are back on an active volcano for the second assignment, and Anna decides to climb over the safety wall because this season hasn't been dangerous enough yet. And they are at the Messiah Volcano, named after everyone's favourite Survivor Worlds Part Tribe. I was about to say, that was in my notes too, that was yeah. the the White Collar Tribe, wasn't it? It was indeed, yes. It's Messiah, Escameca, <laughs> and the other one? I, I presume the Escameca and Nagarote craters were closed for the day. Yeah, so I actually did Google this to make sure I was right, and obviously I was about it being the White Collar Tribe, but the the town nearest the volcano is also called Messiah. That makes sense. Yeah, it's the Messiah National Park that the volcano is actually in. So the the Survivor Worlds Apart Tribe was actually named after the National Park, rather than the volcano itself. And much like the crater, the Survivor Worlds Apart Tribe smells like hell. Yeah, and they also stink of sulfur. And all the contestants in Vidim that were there are all white-collar. And that's another promotion in the bag for Tourism Nicaragua. <laughs> Nicaragua! I think that we could be great ambassadors for Nicaragua. We've been very complimentary about it so far. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely, I would love, I'd love to go to Nicaragua. Especially if someone else was paying. Come see the Sandinistas. I'll go to El Salvador first, and then I'll meet you there. Okay, you just take a a nice boat ride with some fishermen. 
So apparently in former times, people thought that the Messiah volcano was hell, but nowadays we know that to be asking America to adapt the mole again. <laughs> Art says he can see why they thought that. It looked very sinister, and the vultures are watching and waiting. Speaking of Arrested Development characters, Art uh, mocks Karen for uh, suffering from vertigo and calls her Miss Vertigo, so now Karen is Lucille too. And Soundos pretends to that her mask makes her sound like Darth Vader. Yeah, they all have to stand around a speaker wearing gas masks and Peter Yan is at a safe distance, radioing over and telling them there is money hidden in the crater. There is always money hidden in the crater. And they will have to keep track of time, and if they're too late back to the corral, they are out of the game, as is their money. Has there been another challenge where they've worn gas masks? Not on this show. I know the challenge once made them do a challenge in a simulated Eastern European gas chamber. Like, that was a genuine thing. I'm not making that up for a joke. And yet it's still less barbaric than the ending of uh, the Challenge CBS. Yeah. I don't think there's been another one on this show. So the first round is one minute, and they are told to watch out for snakes and other creatures. And if Peter Yan is standing at 12 o'clock, the money is 15 steps away at half nine. And there is a hundred euros hidden there. I can't wait for the sequel to Snakes on a Plane called Snakes in a Crater. Also, for all Peter Yan's claims that, oh, you've got to make sure to get back on time, because if you're not back in the corral, you're out. Just like the Banana Plantation Challenge in uh, in Belkia. There is a big fuck-off clock attached to the corral. It's almost physically impossible to miss any timings here. Yeah, it looks like a clock that could have been also used as a basketball scoreboard. Yeah. If they were smart, as soon as they have to go a bit further away from the corral in the second round, you just have someone standing there and screaming at them. That's all I'd do. Yeah. Be like Frau from Austin Powers. 28! 29! 30! I mean, that's pretty much what Sundos does in the end. She just acts as a timekeeper and, and shouts at people because she loves to shout at people. So they don't even find the money. It was a complete damp squib the first round. There is 200 euros hidden 160 steps away from their position at 2 o'clock. And they've got three minutes to find it. Anna finds the 200 euros really quickly. And as a result, they find more money hidden under rocks and come back with 300 euros instead of just 200. Was that Marilyn Monroe on Anna's shirt? Yes. Happy birthday, Mr. Hoggins. Instead of popping out of a cake, <laughs> she pops out of the crater wearing a gas mask. That's why Peter Yarn was warning them about snakes. There's no reason for him to even mention the snakes. It's just, it's just there to terrify them. There are no snakes living in that environment. There is nothing living in that environment <laughs> apart from vultures. It's just Peter Yan being a sneaky dickhead to them, going, oh, watch out for the wildlife! <laughs> I sure hope no one stands on an anaconda. It's kind of good he did, though, because there's nothing else going on in this challenge. Yeah, this is a complete nothing challenge. So the final round is a whole four minutes, and they've got 100 euros hidden 40 steps away at 6.30. And Anna goes after 50 euros she spots immediately, as does Art. Patrick spots 50 euros that Art overlooked, and the camera does focus on it. And they all make it back to the corral. Anna banks 400 euros, Sundos gets 200, Karen and Art both get 100, and Patrick gets 50, totaling 850 euros of 1500 for the bot. And Peter Yan, in his usual congratulatory style, tells them they missed 650 euros, so be sad. And they didn't find any snakes despite there being Marilyn Monroe present. No, I think Art took care of the snakes while he was in the lighthouse. <laughs> yeah. 
Peter Yan saying there's snakes in the crater. When I mean crater, I mean swimming pool, and when I mean snakes, I mean my junk. <laughs> That's not getting clipped. <laughs> uh, <laughs> have you ever seen Clone High? That's where it's from. I think it was maybe just been a Canadian TV show because that gets referenced a lot here. That J- specifically that JFK bit. It definitely aired here, but I don't know whether it was that well known. The problem is, in Australia, it aired 17 times a week and got about 10 people watching it. Yeah. So Art says that anyone could be the mole. As it happens, he suspects the people that he's closest to, namely Karen and Patrick. He spotted Karen doing nothing for a minute, but she says that she was watching Patrick. Patrick comes over and says it was odd that Art missed the 50 euros, but Art counters with it being odd that he brought in only 50 euros. And Patrick jokes that he can't disagree with them, and he needs to confess that he's the mole. It's odd that they're spending so much time in this episode trying to make you think he's the mole. Yeah, because we've had no Patrick is the mole content up to this point in the season. Yeah. And then there is a big, like, oh, could it be Patrick? He's the only one we've not speculated on yet, so could it be Patrick in this episode? Now, Patrick says that he is scared that Art is connected to everyone, but he tries not to worry about it too much, as it will make him go crazy. And Karen says that her conclusion is that Patrick did very little in this challenge. And then Patrick says, oh, just confess. It, it, it's me. I'm the mole. I'm just too tired. We can all we can all go home now. We don't have to wear gas masks anymore. Show's over, guys. <laughs> PCM tells us that the candidates missed over 3,000 euros in this episode, and the mole is getting far too much help from the innocents. With such a smart group, a general knowledge assignment shouldn't be too difficult for them, surely? <laughs> I assume with the crater challenge, the mole sabotage there is just... You see money on a, under a rock, you ignore it. Yeah, yeah. There's no other way to sabotage that one. I don't think. Or you pocket the money but don't hand it over at the end. I think. I think you, you you'd be largely unattended, so it'd probably be one of the easier sabotages to do. Yeah, the money was only hidden in the way that it was, so that the mole can sabotage. There's no subtlety to that. And then I think with the first challenge, it's tough to pick up on what the sabotage could have been because everything was a sabotage. Yeah, everyone was sabotaging between the numbers and the binoculars and still trying to demonstrate the code 10 minutes after the code was already figured out to Karen yanking on the biggest log I've ever seen in my life. Are we we just going to let that go through? (laughs) And when I mean log, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) So Pete Ian meets them at an abandoned hospital and says that they will be entering one at a time with the name of a fallen candidate on their front and back. To unlock money, those in the control room must answer a question to get the code, and he warns them to beware of the two dodgy Nicaraguan guys. If they read the name on their back, that candidate will be out of the game. <laughs> just the description of two dodgy Nicaraguan guys. Like, are they just going to be nervously uh, like sweating and shaking and scratching at their necks? <laughs> Trying to sell you something that sounds too good to be true. I'm genuinely intrigued to see what Marika's subtitles for this episode are. Because I don't know whether that was that Dark Spark editorialising or not. Saying dodgy Nicaraguan guys. It's a brilliant translation and it made me howl because I'd completely forgotten about the two dodgy Nicaraguan guys. But yeah, I don't know whether Marika is going to actually subtitle it as two dodgy Nicaraguan guys. I hope she does because it'll be delightful if she does. Yeah, one of them is a pimp. So Patrick is Miriana, Karen is Horace, Anna has Hannah, just to confuse Logan, 
Sundos has Pepine, and Art has Yan, or is proud to have Yan on his back. If they were to do this challenge again next episode, all they have to do is just scratch out the H. But then who would wear it? Uh, whoever was really cold, I guess. So Karen, or should I say Horace, is first to leave, and the rest are in the control room with a joystick to control the cameras. She finds the first gate and the code AR7, and they are asked what lava is called before it comes out of a volcano, and the answer is, of course, magma. They get the code 407, the dodgy guys read HOR, and Karen finds 200 euros. And she runs like hell, aka the crater that they've just been to, and is eliminated as a result. Ars is second, proudly wearing the name of his comrade Jan, and he finds P1N, and they asked what a gross divided by 24 is. No one knows other than Art what a gross is, and quote-unquote Jan is out of the game. And Art describes it as very painful and totally pointless, just like watching the Netflix version of The Mole. I've got a stupid question about this challenge, because I've watched this probably five or six times, and I still don't understand why there's a 60-second timer on the screen for a bit of it. I have no idea, because I wrote that down too. I do not understand the timer. I presume it's a, a timer that they have to answer the question by, otherwise it automatically marks it as false. But hmm, but it starts straight away for Karen's first thing. Yeah, they never explain it. I sort of assumed that the timer initially when people leave is when the Nicaraguan guys will start trying to hunt her down. That makes sense. But it's never actually, it's never actually explained on the screen. It's a classic show it and don't tell it thing from Vidim this. Yeah. And it's something that drives us absolutely insane about Vidim is them not explaining everything to us as well as the candidates. Patrick is third, he finds DR5R and they are asked which Dutch city is twinned with Leon. They answer incorrectly and they lose Patrick because the walkie-talkie is turned to the wrong channel in the control room. He reaches MN9 as they have M and I and they get 551 as the code before he gets eliminated. What do you think about this, Saunders? You love a walkie-talkie issue on Venom. Yeah, there is no... There's not much of was that ether discipline. Yeah, because it wasn't a Patrick issue, this. It was a control room issue. Oh, it wasn't Patrick's, wasn't Patrick's walkie-talkie? No, no, because Patrick's walkie-talkie didn't change. It was that they found when, when they were trying to use the walkie-talkie that their channel had been changed in the control room. The frustrating part is Art is the one who's holding the walkie-talkie at the time, and I know he's not the mole, so I can't blame it on him. It could have just been Art sabotaging. I mean, if I was a contestant and I knew that a walkie-talkie sabotage is the most common way to figure out who the mole is, then yes, at some point, if you're a contestant, you gotta sabotage on the walkie-talkie somehow and do a really, really messed up one that just confuses the hell out of everybody and thinks, hmm, that has to be a clue that it's you. I must admit, I do love that we even get the Sundance confessional of going, every single season there's an issue with the walkie-talkie and usually it's the mole's fault. They would never like lampshade that anymore, I don't think. No. And she also says that everyone knows that they need to press the button and then talk, not do it the other way around. The dodgy guys get M-I-R-Y-A-N, so Patrick sprints back right past them and gets himself eliminated. And Sundas says that Patrick was sabotaging, but he was lucky that so was Art. Sundas is then fourth. Nobody believed that she would do well, but that motivates her to do better. And this has been a running theme through the season as well, everyone underestimating Sundas. Her strategy is to tell them to shut the fuck up and let her do the let her do her job, which is beautiful because 
I have done that exact tactic myself. When I did the uh, Manchester version of the Crystal Maze in 2017, I lost my first game because people were just talking over me and not letting me think because I did mental games because I'm me. So the second time, I turned around to them and said, unless you've got anything constructive, shut the fuck up and let me think. And surprisingly, I won it. Based off my own intelligence, I won that challenge purely because I told people to just shut the fuck up and let me think. Well done. I was with complete strangers, so I was allowed to just tell them to shut up and not have any remorse. Like you'd have remorse. Yeah, did you just grab them by the collar and say, shut your mouth? No, I just I just basically turned around to them and said, please stop talking over me, just let me think and shut up. And I won it. You, you, you won the Crystal Mates, but you did not win any friends in the process. I don't care about them, I never saw them again. I won the Crystal, that's all that matters. So Art says that it's a brilliant tactic because everything goes wrong when they talk, which is so true and probably sums us up quite well as well. Sundar Sen finds the gate number one and is asked what the country to the south of Nicaragua is. They say Costa Rica and are right and get 335 as her code. She has eight minutes left of their hour and gets back with some money at least, 200 euros. Anna is then the last to run. She decides to head to the room straight away because there are some hidey holes that go between them. She finds P at 3K and is asked where the flooring comes from originally. Art says the Netherlands and knows that it used to be the name of the Gilda. And Karen being Karen, she just ignores all the chatter and types France. <laughs> the next one is 81, and they're asked what year the Battle of Newport was. Art says that it was drummed into him at school, and he knows that it's 1679. Patrick says in confessional that the group has great general knowledge, just not necessarily under pressure. They finally get a code on the GR007 door by knowing their queens, and Anna finds 200 euros. She wants to come back to base, but Art says not to. They decide to get her to return anyway, and she banks her 200 euros for a total of 400 of 1800 for the challenge, 1250 of 5800 for the episode, and 19,040 of 51,050 for the season so far. I thought it was weird that the uh, the rooms, like the codes on them, you get AR7 for Art, P at 3K for Patrick, GR007 for Karen, and then you don't see Anna, or the really obvious one, changing the dose in Sundos to a 2. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So PCM then comes in and miraculously appears and mocks them for not knowing what 144 over 24 is. Or that Utrecht is the twin city of Leon and Newport was 1600. Because he can't let them have any celebrations. He's always reminding them of their failures rather than their successes. And then we go straight into the test. Uh, The test, that's 20 questions about the identity of the mole. But where Nosalise goes home except the mole who can never go home? No, it's the identity and actions of the mole. After so many episodes of hearing me do the same speech over and over again, sometimes in the case of some of those Hong Kong Philippines about six or seven times, because <laughs> you fuckers, <laughs> you really need to wise up a bit. <laughs> I mean, it's not that hard. 20 clock and I've the identity and done a lot of on the mole, etc, etc. That was very good. Yeah. You still owe us doing that, by the way, Saunders. I haven't forgotten that. <laughs> Maybe take your time uh, on your week off to learn it. Yeah, I'm just going to hit up a, a library with a Dutch book in Montreal. Well, you just need to revise it and surprise me in the finale with it, that's all. Okay. So, it's now time for the test. 20 questions about the identity and actions of the mole, whoever knows least goes home except for the mole who can never go home. Sunos says that in episode 8, it is time to gamble on the test. It was a good idea to spread in the beginning, but people might have the same suspicions as her now. She goes for one person completely. P 
Patrick says he has a feeling that Anna isn't the mole and that it isn't Sundas either. The only person who has fooled him so far for eight episodes is his good friend Art. Karen says that everyone suspects everyone at this point. Hopefully it works to her advantage. And she is also going for one person. Anna is ready to know if she's on the right track or not. She's in the mood to take a risk and goes for one person. And Art spreads over Karen and Patrick. And he says that it is funny that Karen suspects Patrick. And Patrick suspects Karen. It's noteworthy that Art is... He's the only one who splits between two people, right? Yeah, he's the only one who we know for certain is splitting over two. Because we always debate what you should do at Final Five, if you should go straight ticket or split between two. So very interesting. But I assume Art is splitting between two because he knows Patrick's going all in on Karen and Karen's going all in on Patrick. And I will also say in our suspicions or in your suspicions this season, this is the point where it's down to one suspicion only. You want to get credit for your number one suspicion this time. I should also note that prior to this test, it was the first time in quite a while where I put Anna further down the rankings since she was the only one who did remotely well this episode with bringing in money. So after their time is stopped, there is one more question, which is actually question 20 in this case. So the intro was actually wrong. It's 19 questions about the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home except for the mole who can never go home. The 20th question flashes back to the opening of the season. The mole is finally making contact. If they say yes to the mole contacting them, it will cost them one yoker, and if more than one person says yes, then a name will be drawn from a hat. And it's much better than the other twist where they switched up the 20th question, which is, do you want to complete the surveys about uh, your time here on Vidim so you can get a free cookie with your next purchase? (laughs) And they seem to be regrouping atop a tower. Art was very confused by the final question. Sundos says she doesn't think anyone will be in contact with the molars. Surely no one has any yokers left. Cue the editors cutting to them showing us that at least two people have said they want contact from the mole. PTN tells them that they are in a select group, those who have made it to episode 8 of a season of Views to Mole. Whoever leaves now can leave with their head held high, but if you've made it this far, it would be quite nice to make it to the end. He says that Art wants to make it especially, and sighs as he puts Art's name in, but the screen is green. Sadly, though, the group then loses its ringleader as Anna gets the red screen and is sent home. I did laugh at Peter Yan sighing as he types Art's name and he's like, I know you're safe, Art. For God's sake, I've got to deal with you another episode. I know you're going to make fun of me in more confessionals. Just start stabbing the keyboard. A-R-T. Enter. I'm sure he'd prefer to put (laughs) A-R-G-H. And Karen says that she was sure Anna would make it and win, so she was shocked that Anna went home, and she is joining their big friend now. And she actually gets a proper montage, unlike Pepine. She just went for the wrong person. And then we end the episode with Patrick having a Tico-style confessional, saying he was convinced that she was going to be successful, but there is one game she is not successful at playing, and that is Vies de Mole. What's even more surprising here is that Peter Yen really, really respected Anna. He doesn't take any digs at her at all this episode. No, I think it's no secret that Anna was the most famous person of the ten in this cast. Anna was a genuine get for this season. Anna is a bit like an American TV show getting like a Drew Barrymore sort of level celebrity. Oh, okay. That puts into context better. Yeah, she's genuinely famous. Unlike certain other people we've seen on Vidim. Yeah. So she was a bit off limits to Peter Yan ridiculing her one-on-one. 
I would say so, yes. I, I think it's kind of also why she didn't really get much of an edit, at least at the start, because I think they didn't really want to overexpose her that much. Nowadays, they don't care. They'll just give um, Nikki all the airtime. No, nowadays, they don't give a shit. Yeah. Back then, you know, they cared about things. Do you want to eulogise her, Saunders, given she was your number one suspect for six of the last seven episodes? Yeah, I, I, I thought it was her for the longest time. For the longest time. Whoa. <laughs> for the longest time. Uh, yes, so she was she was my number one suspect for the longest time. And I, I thought she did well as a contestant overall. I mean, she switched to going all in on one person at the right time. This was just the only episode where I'm thinking, hmm, I'm really rethinking her as being the mall because she's doing a bit better than everyone else with bringing in money and there wasn't really, she was the mall. There's no reason for her to suddenly improve upon her performance this late in the season. If nobody saw to you as the mole, this is the time to really take no prisoners. Yeah, I would be remiss if I didn't slightly gloat that of your 18 suspicions up to this episode, not including your actual suspicion in this episode, you do only have four remaining. That sounds about right. Because you've suspected Karen three times and Sundos once in your top suspects until this episode. Right. Do you want to go through your suspicions for this episode? Yeah, I have number one is Patrick, number two was Anna, number three was Karen, and number four was Sandals. And with your suspicion of Patrick, I believe you've suspected every single person in the final seven now? In other words, I don't know who the hell it is. Apart from our, obviously, who you know the mole isn't. Alright, I don't know, it's, uh, I know it's on him and I know it wasn't Taurus. Well, that's what you get for joining an alliance with Karen. You really are the Black Widow of this podcast. Everyone you suspect goes home. <laughs> so does that mean I somehow get eliminated next time? Yes. That's what me and Bindles are working on, yeah. Next week is just going to be me and Michael and Michelle. So next time, Karen and Sundos hunt for foreigners, Art refuses to say if he's the mole, Patrick goes crazy, and Art and Sundos have a little disagreement in front of PTA. Have you guys got anything else you want to say? No, I'm good. No, I thought it was I thought it was another good episode. Yeah, it's another good episode. This is our anti-penultimate episode of the season, because as I've mentioned before, it's going to be a rare episode 9 actually uh, next week, but we will be doing the finale and reunion back-to-back as is traditional for Mole Historians. So two more episodes this season. And we have for the first time ever episode 9 next week. I will say episode 9 is really good. Yeah, it is. Episode 9 is everything that Mole Netflix wants to be. So, thank you for listening to our VS2Mole 2011 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for an old mole in El Salvador and Nicaragua. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at LogSubQuacky, Bindles is a Grim Recapper, and I'm MJ Harmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles, and we'll see you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next of flavoring. That's not my crater, but I'll take your money.